2: Bassem Razo lost his family and his home in a U.S.-led airstrike in Mosul. Video of the attack shows the strike hit its target with military precision. So why was Bassem targeted? And how often does this happen? Part two of the story. It's Friday, November 17th. Bassem, the the night of the bombing, who survived the bombing and who died? Okay. In the end,
0: let's uh, let's start with my house. Uh, I survived. My wife was killed. My daughter was killed. In the other house, my brother's house, uh, his wife survived. Uh, My brother died, and his son died. So four dead, two survivors.
2: It's horrible.
0: It is horrible, yeah.
3: So Boston's case introduced so many questions. Questions about the intelligence behind an airstrike. Questions about how often this is happening. All right, let's knock on the door.
2: Asmet Khan has been investigating civilian casualties in the war on ISIS.
3: My reporting partner Anand Gopal and I—we set out to do a systematic sample. Wow. And where was he when the airstrike what happened? Time? And Abu Ammar was the one who was killed, or? Wow! All the way, all the way down here. And what's the son's name? What time that night? Ziad. We've been yeah. to the sites of 103 airstrikes. Wow. wow. Wow, They were killed in the same airstrike, or in a different in a different airstrike? There, was there one strike or two? How many? What? Um, we went to these sites, we mapped them, we interviewed hundreds of people, we excavated the damage, we looked for any presence of ISIS. And so in a sense, it's the first systematic, ground-based look at how this air war is actually playing out.
2: So essentially, you went to Iraq, hit the ground, and tested the numbers that the U.S. government puts out about just how precise this air war is.
3: Exactly. Haider was killed and Ali's legs were cut off? Oh, yes. Ah, I see. I'm so sorry. Okay. Ali's.
2: And what did you learn from this systematic investigation?
3: Omar Yunus Mohammed Jassim, he was killed. Haider hey. Ziyad Yunus, also hey. killed, and hey. then injured. So the government says Ali's that Of the 14,000 airstrikes it's carried out, only 89 incidents have resulted in civilian deaths. That's less than 1%. That's 0.6%. What we found on the ground was that one in five airstrikes resulted in a civilian death. That's 20%. Wow,
2: 20%. That's
3: 31 times higher than what the government claims. So these numbers were startling. They were very different from what the coalition has been saying in its own studies of civilian casualties. And they left us with these questions of, well, why? Why is this so dramatically different from this precision-era weaponry that we've been talking about? And that was a question Bossum also wanted the answer to.
0: Well, the first thing, uh, I piled the report.
3: So from the get-go... Basim is gathering as much evidence as he can.
0: I put on the photos of the property, my family. He's pulling
3: up GPS imagery of his homes. What
0: has happened to my farm. He's gathering
3: pictures and names of the dead. And he tries repeatedly to report this airstrike to the U.S. government. I went to
0: the American consulate and uh, they interviewed me. He has a
3: meeting at the U.S. embassy in Baghdad.
0: The first thing they said, well, we have to go to the DOD. ...to verify that this strike was an American strike.
3: He follows up with emails. And
0: uh, they told me that they would get back to me.
3: And eventually, his emails stopped getting answers. We turned to the coalition to ask questions. I emailed the coalition their own YouTube video showing the airstrike. And the response I got was, there is nothing in the historical log for September 20th, 2015.
2: Meaning the U.S. government told you... We have no information about firing a missile that hit such a structure.
3: Not long after, the YouTube video actually disappeared from Mm -hmm. the Coalition's website. And after that happened, I sent them an archived copy of it. I sent them the GPS coordinates of Boston's home. I sent them before and after satellite imagery. And I sent all of this together with the timeline that Boston had reported. And in the coming weeks, all of the Coalition's airstrike videos were taken off of YouTube. And eventually, they opened an investigation as a result of our inquiries. And by March, a meeting was set up. How
2: did it feel to know that you were finally going to meet with Americans, with someone who might be held accountable for what had happened?
0: <clears throat> well, there so many, well, there were so many things that I wanted. First of all, is I wanted to know why. Why I was bombed. I wanted an apology for killing my wife, my daughter, my brother, and my nephew. I wanted an apology. And the second thing is I wanted compensation. The third is I have to get my name cleared. And I want the American to say clearly, we made a mistake. This person is not ISIS. We apologize. We would like to let you know uh, that this man is not ISIS. And this is exactly what I want.
3: So while Bassam is dealing with the tragedy of losing these members of his family and the people that he was so close to, he's also gripped with fear. He's thinking about what it meant that his house had been hit so precisely.
0: When a target is bombed uh, in -hmm. front of the Iraqi forces, they don't think that the Americans made a mistake. Mm -hmm. So they think, yes, this was an ISIS location, And the people at that location were ISIS members.
3: Because how else would have missiles hit this home so precisely?
2: Hmm. So he's not just afraid that the United States and the coalition may see him as ISIS, but that everyone in the community, people he knows and he cares about, they may view him and his family as ISIS. Local
3: authorities, people in charge, after areas that had been taken over by ISIS were liberated, vigilante groups attack ISIS mm. collaborators. They go after them. They burn their houses down. There is revenge and retaliation, and he didn't want to be on the receiving end of that.
0: And really now, I'm scared to go back to Mosul. I need something in concrete evidence, from concrete letter from the Americans saying that this guy is not ISIS, so I can be safe in my house.
3: Just before the meeting, I got a message from Bassem, and he says that he just had a dream about Mayada.
0: You know, I've seen them in a dream like only a few times, but uh, they never speak. They just look at you and they never speak in the dream. This is really weird. I've never heard them speak.
3: You know, he was lying in bed with Mayada, and he could really feel her skin next to his.
0: Yeah, this was a very real dream.
2: So this dream was, this was different?
0: Yeah, this was different. I can hear laughter. I can hear talk.
2: Hmm. Yeah. What did they say? What else?
0: They, they, they feel that I was doing something for them, and they were happy about it. I can see them. My wife was smiling in this dream, and she knew I was working to get justice done. My wife was looking at me, and she was smiling at me. I felt happy. When I woke up, I felt happy.
3: So that morning, my reporting partner, Anand, meets up with Bossum and they go to the Erbil International Airport together. They wait at the main gate until a white SUV with tinted windows and an, an officer in American military fatigues is behind the wheel and picks them up. So I'm
1: Jack, and I think he's communicated you know,
3: email a couple of times. They sit down at a round conference table with other military officers and a military lawyer who introduces herself.
1: We just wanted to start by discussing that. Not only, not only on have of the army, but also on
2: behalf of myself. Um, and what did this woman say to you? How did how did she start? Well, she
0: started with she said, "I'd like to apologize in, in my name and on behalf of the American Army, uh, we are sorry this bombing done by mistake." We try
1: our best to prevent those mistakes, but we hope that since we, you know we did make a mistake here, that we can do everything that we can to right it um, as best we can. I know that there's nothing that I can say that can make up for the
0: loss that you... One thing cannot be returned is the loss of life. Everything else could be redone or rebuilt. The loss of life is unrepairable. Well, I asked for about 500,000 for the house. Uh, We had about uh, two cars damaged. I think the amount was like 22,000 for a car and uh, 8,000 for another car. Uh, I had some bills for my operation which was around 13,000, 15,000 USD. Uh, so this was at just roughly about 600,000, and just under 600,000,
2: yeah. And this figure of about 600,000, this is just for- For the property. This is for the loss of, yes, of just, just for, property. Now this is not, nothing Nothing to say of the emotional loss.
0: Exactly, I, I did not say anything about emotional suffering and loss of my income, not being able to work again, and then she offered me the payments.
1: Um, and so we are prepared um, to offer you um, a condolence payment. And so I just wanted to say first, um, explain how this works. So basically, um, it is not meant to recompensate you for what you have lost or for rebuilding or anything like that. It's just meant to be an expression of our sympathy um, and our apology for your loss. Um, so the amount in U.S. dollars is $15,000, um, which, what we'll be paying you in Iraqi dinar, so 17550000 Iraqi dinar. Okay. And so if you are um, willing to accept that. No. You're not willing to mm-hmm. accept that?
0: This is a... This is a to me. No, i
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry also. Um... Uh, this is, a, yeah,
0: this is, a, I have to say, sorry to say, ridiculous.
1: <laughs> I, I, I
0: understand. That. <laughs> I was, uh, I really, I, I laughed, but then I thought this is impolite of me. And uh, she said, I have to tell you, this is just to say sorry, uh, but you will have the opportunity to file for uh, physical damage. I said, when?
1: My understanding is that for a claim, so for a claim be compensated for a destruction of property, let's say, um, it has to, it can only be um, issued after the the activities in that area have ended. So if we are finished, you know, defeating ISIS in Mosul after that time, that's when people can come forward and file things.
0: She said, well, because now the war is Um, still ongoing on ISIS, I cannot promise you when Maybe it will be done after the war is declared over in ISIS, hmm. and maybe it will not.
1: Is there do. an office or something that people can go to? Or how? Not at this time, sir. There used to
0: be. Is this how much my life, is my, my, my wife and daughter, is worth to the American system, to the American government? I mean, we are humans, too. True? Mm-hmm. Of course, Yeah. yes. That, that, that's what made me angry. This is what makes me angry.
3: So for the last two years, Congress has set aside $5 million to pay civilians who've been hurt by U.S. combat operations in Iraq. But they haven't paid a single part of that. This was the first time that the coalition was making an offer to an Iraqi civilian, or even a Syrian civilian, for the deaths of their loved ones. All
1: right,
0: do you have any other questions? No, I have no questions. We'll
3: be in touch. So as this meeting is very quickly wrapping up, Bossim, as he realizes he's not walking away with the payment he wanted, asked about what he thought he might be able to get before he left. And he asked for a letter affirming his innocence. Further
0: information, I don't want to be in trouble with the central government, so I have something to clear
1: my name. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And so, so actually, so just so you, you understand, we are actually, what's taking so long is that we are working to declassify the document okay. so that the most can be released. Okay. Um, so I, I, I just need a paper saying that this house done. was hit by mistake. It should be it's done any
0: day. any day now, sir. not ISIS unit, and ISIS property. So I just want to be clear my name and be on the safe side with the central government. Yes, sir.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I can offer you okay. then at this time, and I'm very sorry. Thank okay. you for coming out Okay, anyway. thank you
0: for your uh...
2: And then you walked out.
0: Yeah, I just walked out. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you. Do you know if your name has been has been formally cleared at this point, that it no longer suggests that you're a member of ISIS?
0: I have not received anything from American Army uh, to this content, which I, I requested the direct letter from the U.S. Air Force saying, yes, we bombed, and it was a mistake, and Mr. Razzo is not ISIS, so we would like to clear his name. This is what I want, but I did not get it.
2: Bassem, as somebody who spent so much time in the United States with Americans, did this this feel like the America and the Americans that, that you knew?
0: I knew, I know there's a bureaucracy. I know army bureaucracy, but I was not expecting this. No, no, I was not expecting this.
2: Asma, we keep talking about how precise this air campaign is, and the United States government wants to keep talking about just how precise it is. I wonder if that's ultimately beside the point here.
3: Well, when they have the wrong target, it is beside the point. It doesn't matter. We obtained the investigation or a portion of the investigation from the coalition into the airstrike on Bassem's home. What it showed was that they believed that structure was an ISIS command center. You know, they did an hour and a half of drone footage surveilling this compound, and they saw that there were men opening gates, that they didn't observe women or children, and they filmed, I think, over three days in 15-minute increments. And based on what they saw, they saw nothing out of the ordinary, it says that in the report, but they also saw nothing to contest Hmm. the intelligence that they'd gotten, which is that this was an ISIS headquarters.
0: Well, one thing made me really, really angry was when they mentioned that they have an hour and a half of aerial surveillance to my family and to my farm, and they said there was no sign of uh, family living in there. Hmm. Well, the time of the surveillance was in summertime. In summertime the heat in Iraq is uh, 45 and 50 degrees Celsius. Very warm. Very, very warm. I mean, you cannot stay outside for minutes. During the day, definitely they will not see anybody moving out of the house because everybody will be Mm -hmm. inside in the cool. But if they did the surveillance uh, during the nighttime, we will be sitting outside in the garden. They will see kids running around. They will see us doing our barbecue they will see that families live in these premises.
3: This is the, quote, most precise air campaign in the history of warfare. And so the idea that the intelligence could be off the way it was in this case, or that they had only monitored for an hour and 35 minutes, all of that raised questions about what was really going wrong and why. And so when we looked at the total number of civilian death airstrikes we found, half of them were the result of poor or outdated intelligence, most likely. We couldn't find a discernible ISIS target nearby. They had possibly misidentified the target to begin with. And so in this era of precision weaponry, where you can hit just the right part of a house just the right way you want to, that doesn't matter When you have the target wrong.
2: So in more than half the cases, the question wasn't whether the coalition was being precise. It was being precise, but it was precisely hitting the wrong targets based on some form of bad intelligence.
3: It appeared to be either outdated or faulty intelligence.
2: Um So, can you tell me about the first time that you went back to your house in Mosul?
0: Yeah, this uh, took a place like uh, four months ago. <clears throat> me and uh, the reporter Asma. Well.
3: And when we pulled up to his home, there was this pale yellow gate we entered from where the guard's house was, he he wavered for a moment. He seemed, he told me later, he was afraid. He didn't know what he would see or find. He'd seen photos, but he didn't know the effect it would have on him to see it in person. You never came back after it happened, did no, you? No, 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 it's my first time. And so we walk in and you just see this beautiful garden. Wow. It's gorgeous. There's trees with lemons. There's citrus plants. There are crickets chirping, and the sun is just filtering through these branches.
0: We have strawberries. This is the olive tree.
3: And if it weren't for the aircraft above, just constant hum of aircraft above, and the rubble in front of us, it would just seem like this perfect oasis. So we enter and, and we walk into the kitchen and I start to look through what you can find. You can see the chairs, the table, and then you can see these just evidence of light bulbs. Their past ones. lives. There are these recipes. Just found a bunch of recipes where, where? in the kitchen. That Mayada used to ask Basim to print off the internet.
0: Asked me to look for the <laughs> That's so sweet. Really, 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 yesterday.
3: <laughs> you could find things like this, just remnants of their life.
0: And uh, I started going around the house and uh, looking ar- for some things from remain remaining from my house, and I could not find anything.
3: This was the laundry room. We walk into the laundry room. And uh, and the thing that set him off is that he could see his daughter Kuka's shoe.
0: At that time, I broke down. I was in tears. This is the only thing that uh, really, really hurt me.
3: This white platform heel peeking out of the rubble.
0: They were uh, white, high heel shoes. She wore them like the day or two before the bombing, uh, they had a party for women Mm -hmm. in my brother's house, and she was wearing them. And I remember, because she does not wear high heels, Mm -hmm. so I was sitting in the living room, and I could hear her, because her mother told me that she will wear high heels. Mm -hmm. So I could hear her come down the steps, and I said, Tukahani, be careful. I don't want you to fall down. I don't feel like taking you to a hospital. I was (laughs) just joking with her. She said, dad, dad, don't worry, I can make it, I can make it. And uh, this was her first time to put makeup on. The night before, her mother told me that she would put some makeup on her face because it was like an engagement party for her cousin. Uh, So she said, please don't embarrass her. (laughs) So uh, she went down. I said, Toka, honey, come here, I want to see you. She said, Dad, Dad, I'm in a hurry. I want to go. I said, Tocha, come here, please. I would like to see you. So she came to the room and she covered her face with her hands. She did not want me to see her with makeup, lipstick, and eyeshadow. I said, Honey, remove your hands. I would like to take a look at you. And I said, Honey, you look beautiful. Just go. Don't run fast. I don't want you to fall with these high heels. So when I saw these This pair of shoes, her picture just came rushing back to my memory, Mm -hmm. and I broke in tears. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And the whole time we'd been hearing bombs hit around... Near the river, coming from across the river, and there was one that just came pretty close.
0: Outcoming or incoming? <coughs> incoming, boss.
3: And I know Boston wanted to stay. We all did, but we just packed up our things and we left.
2: Basim, did you find any any peace of mind after visiting the house? Did it, did it make you feel any better?
0: No, it did not. No. Because uh, I still feel that I have not got justice for them. Once I get justice for them, then I will be relieved. Mm-hmm. I still feel I have not done nothing for them.
2: I really want to thank you, and thank you so much. I want to wish that I wish that you can find whatever peace and purpose is available
0: to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, boss. Bye, bye.
2: We'll be right back.
1: I'm Elise Hugh.
3: And I'm Josh Klein.
1: We're the hosts of Built for Change, a new podcast from Accenture.
2: The pandemic has radically transformed the way we do business.
1: And now is the time to forge a new path ahead. So what do the world's most innovative leaders think about navigating change? What strategies are working for them?
2: On Built for Change, we'll learn what Accenture has discovered about how businesses can rise to these challenges and find success.
1: Subscribe to Built for Change now so you don't miss an episode.
2: Here's what else you need to know today. On Thursday, two weeks after the plan was introduced and without a single hearing being held, Republicans in the House passed the most sweeping tax overhaul in three decades. The focus now turns to the Senate, where Republicans are trying to pass their own version of the tax plan. That version would help fund the tax cuts by repealing a provision in the Affordable Care Act that requires most people have health insurance. And the national reckoning over sexual harassment reached the Senate on Thursday, as a radio show host accused Minnesota Senator Al Franken of groping and forcibly kissing her in 2006, two years before he was elected. Shortly after she came forward, Franken apologized to the woman, Leanne Tweeden, saying, quote, over the last few months, all of us, including and especially men who respect have been forced to take a good, hard look at our own actions and think, perhaps shamefully, for the first time, about how those actions have affected women. Finally, in an interview with my colleague Jennifer Steinhauer, New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand was asked about how the Democratic Party had handled past allegations against one of its leaders.
1: Is it your view... That President Clinton should have stepped down at that time, given the allegations. I w- yes, th- I think
3: that is the appropriate response. But um, I think things have changed today, and I think under those circumstances, there should be a very different reaction. And I think, in light of this conversation, we should have a very different conversation about President Trump and a very different conversation about allegations against him than is currently than what has been had to date and what's currently being had.
2: Jennifer's full interview with Gillibrand. Will be on this weekend's episode of The New Washington. The Daily is produced by Theo Balcom, Lindsay Garrison, Rachel Quester, Annie Brown, Andy Mills, Christopher Worth, Ike Sreeskandaraja, Claire Tenesketter, and Paige Cowett, with editing help from Larissa Anderson. Lisa Tobin is our executive producer. Samantha Hennig is our editorial director. Brad Fisher is our technical manager. Our theme music is by Jim Brunberg and Ben Landsverk of Wonderly. Special thanks to Peter Sale, Sam Dolnick, and Michaela Bouchard. That's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you on Sunday, when we'll have a special episode
1: of The Daily for kids